Recording in progress. How do you like my new mic? Fancy, fancy. Yeah, I, I hope I have a velvety, smooth, honeyed voice now. <laughs> Hello, my name is JD Henning, and you're listening to Cheat the Camera, a podcast about short films and those who make them. Today, I'm with my good friend, Talis Moore, and we're talking about uh, some of the Oscar-nominated short films from last year, from 2021, and I'm really excited to talk about these projects. Uh, how are you doing, Talis? I'm doing well, JD. Happy to be back on the show. Yeah, and you know, hopefully this will come out before the other time that we've talked for the show's purposes. That oh, way it well won't then, be happy confusing. to be on the show <laughs> for the first time. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so uh, we've got two different projects uh, that, that we watched. There are several of the 2021 Oscar nom films that are out available on the net. Uh, but uh, I was thinking maybe we could start off by talking about Two Distant Strangers, which was uh, the Oscar winner. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Would you be would you feel up to give sort of a short summary of the kind of the plot? Well, f- first, I just want to throw out that like, is is Groundhog Day just a whole genre now? Because we got like <laughs> Russian Doll, Palm Strings, Brings this. Yeah. And I'm super into it. All of those are like that and a thousand for me. I. Yeah, it's always a fun and witty experiment as I've experienced it. So, yeah, totally. I yeah, no, there definitely is a a whole like Groundhog Day time loop genre. I remember I watched uh, there was a. Oh, well, uh, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. I think those mm-hmm. I don't know how you make a sequel about a time loop movie. I haven't watched <laughs> either of those, but they somehow did. Um, yeah. And and it's it, it is. Yeah. So Two Distant Strangers, before I watched it, I didn't realize that it was going to be a time loop movie. Um, and then, you know, eight minutes in, it's like, oh, OK, it's a time loop movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, to um, to go through what it's doing here the time loop is about a you know a charming black guy who's having a normal morning after a hookup trying to get home to his dog and Mm -hmm. he keeps getting sort of randomly killed by this cop uh, and waking up back in bed and everything he does leads him to a slightly different outcome with him still getting killed by this cop you know it's explicitly a blm movie they list all the names it's yeah that they're not trying to be subtle about it that's not the goal this is a political movie but it's also a really kind of fun and charming movie at times yeah Um, what did you think yeah totally i i i agree it was fun and also a political movie you know one of the problems that you get with message movies sometimes is that the message overwhelms the, the artistry and mm-hmm. you have, you know, the classic after school special sort of effect where everything is obviously, you know, pounding you with the point and uh, there's there's not a lot of subtlety or nuance. I mean, one of the things that even in the first minute or two before uh, I realized that it was going to be a time loop movie uh, was uh, I just loved the dialogue that the main character Carter uh, played by Joey Badass had with uh, 
Perry, who is uh, his, you know, his date from the night before, who whose apartment that he wakes up in. Because sorry, pause. Is the actor's name actually Joey Badass? The actor's name is actually Joey Badass. I believe that That's he is a rapper. Good. That's very good. Okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a side note, but this this project definitely reminded me of how culturally white I am. <laughs> uh, of course, yeah. Uh, like even even the the name Two Distant Strangers, it's a reference to something that uh, that Tupac once said, and I think maybe mm. uh, a song. So it's definitely one of those things where you're you're realizing sort of where you're positioned based on how many of the inside references you get. I imagine that there are quite a few more that I also did not, uh, did not realize. Yeah. But uh, anyways, yeah. Back to sort of the beginning of this, you know, uh, when Carter and Perry are talking and she's just, you know, it's, it's maybe two minutes of dialogue or something, but it's funny. It's just, it's funny. And, and it's not, you know, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a black man in America and I have all these problems. Oh yeah. Isn't that the case? Like there, there are a lot of ways to do a project wrong (laughs) and not that many ways to do it right. And they really like, if it had been essentially just them chatting for another three or four minutes, I would have been totally down with that because I just enjoyed them. They were just likable, interesting people. Totally. I was going to say sort of the same thing that those first few minutes are just so warm and charming and the banter is a lot of fun. If it turned out to be just a 30 minute, like sort of fun rom-com between these characters, I would have been there for it. Um, They went in a totally different and way more interesting direction with it, but I would have been there for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, short films have to do a lot very quickly. Every film has to do a lot very quickly, but you know, getting getting you to like your main character in a project that has a third of the amount of time as a typical film is really important. And I just I loved the opening image that we're not we're not just starting we're not starting with the main character we're starting with his dog and then mm-hmm. we pan up and we see uh, a picture of the main character in sort of like a pseudo Renaissance outfit or and like an an old timey general's outfit next to his dog. And it was just cute. It was just funny. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was just so great. Uh, did you? And there's nothing more endearing than when he calls his dog through that machine <laughs> that like plays the audio and gives him some treats. Uh, that, that'll win any character over to the audience. That is instant love. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Easy. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was really well done, uh, you know, well-performed and just, yeah, just the idea that this guy is telling his dog about this girl who he just met and he's really into her. It's just really sweet. Um, and those of us who have pets definitely do talk to our animals and we definitely probably <laughs> tell them things that we wouldn't tell people. Uh, so I, I was, I was, I was with him a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so uh, did you go into this uh, aware that it was a time loop? picture not at all yeah uh what did you think when he woke woke up again i was kind of excited i i'm really into this genre um yeah but whether <laughs> it's I, I think this genre is having a heyday yeah both in as we were saying film and tv i've also been playing like outer wilds a lot which is right, this right. time loop video game it's everywhere and it's always a grand old time so i was in for it yeah 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 and i i was totally down for it as well i 
the the project that we wrote together, uh, Portal Runner, isn't a time loop picture, but it certainly has a lot of reusing sets in sort of a similar mm -hmm. vein, and uh, it can it can be hard because you have people like you or I who have seen Groundhog Day and have seen some of these time looping projects, you know. Uh, and then, but you do want to make sure that people who haven't seen it are aware because it is okay. a genre convention, but you can't assume that everybody knows. So I, yeah, I just, I, I liked how they did it. Um, you know, all of the classic things that you do in a time loop picture where you want to make sure that it's really obvious, uh, that it's repeating and also that the main character can react to things, you know, so Perry uh, dropping the bottle and it breaking. Small thing. I, I was wondering why it was there in the introductory scene. Right. Like, what 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 is this here for? And of course, it's there so that we can you know cut to it more quickly and we know what's mm -hmm. going on, so that we get a sense of uh, of the rhythm of the project. Um, and <laughs> so I, I was I was right scribbling down notes as I was as I was watching it, <laughs> but uh, like the third repeat when it wakes up again and and you know. At least for me, I don't know about you, but by by the second time, it's like okay, we're we're getting the rhythm, and this is going to happen again. And you know, he does something a little different uh, because in the first time he tries to he tries to avoid the encounter with the cop uh, by or the cop the cop pulls him uh, aside because he has a roll of bills and he's smoking like a clover cigarette or something, and mm -hmm. then. Uh, the second time he makes sure to hide the roll of bills. So it's like, okay, characters being intelligent. He's, he's trying to do what he can to avoid it, but he's still not a hundred percent sure that it's real. And then the third time I thought was, was really great because it's, it's what you want to happen in a movie that uh, is time looping 30 years after Groundhog Day, where they're smart enough to realize, yeah. okay, this is what's happening. They get it really quickly. I believe in Groundhog mm -hmm. Day, which obviously is a much longer film, uh, there were maybe a few more repetitions and you got more time to get introduced to the concept because it was totally new. But with this, you know, we've got 30 minutes, we're doing it faster. And uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, they, they don't waste any time with it. Um, yeah, they, exactly. It's a short film, they can't afford to, but it, yeah, it respects the audience. And I, I do want to say it also does, you know, we've talked about how how fun this genre is, but it, the film definitely brings some new to the genre mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in terms of um using this time loop mechanic to explore this sort of all-pervading anxiety that I, I hear folks talking about mm -hmm. um this sort of sense that every time they see one of these headlines of police violence against black individuals it's history repeating itself exactly. in this sick endless loop that mm -hmm. can't be escaped yeah. Um, yeah and i was really impressed by the way the film was able to hold both of those things without them ever being in conflict it never really stopped being kind of fun and witty and charming while yeah. at the same time conveying that anxiety and horror um and that's right. a hell of a trick yeah, yeah. And that is that combination of the main character. He's he's funny, you know, and he's mm -hmm. making jokes and he, you know, he's the one we spend the most time with. So that matters a lot. But also we're, we're getting into his mindset very thoroughly. You know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, what all of the buzz was about with Get Out, which is that it's, you know, it's it's a horror pick that on its own, if you somehow manage to kind of 
forget about the cultural commentary. It works. But on top mm-hmm. of that, it, it works really well as a, uh, you know, as a cultural piece. And, and it helps you get into the mindset of somebody who, who, whose experience I don't have. Like I'm, I'm half Chinese, which basically means nobody really pays attention to me. Like I'm not going to get accosted on the street unless, unless you throw me back, you know, a hundred years and then maybe I would. Uh, but, and and for the record, I'm white as it gets. I am (laughs) Northern European mud over here. So yeah. 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 White as wonder bread. Um, and, and anyways, you know, so it was, it was just great that it's like, there's no way I can get out and, and, you know, third repetition he doesn't even go outside he's gonna he's gonna make breakfast with uh with this girl he's interested in and then the SWAT team breaks in and it's one of those things where we realize oh this isn't about just him avoiding events this is this is about yeah kind of the metaphor of it the cosmically speaking he just can't get away from uh from the police uh from this one policeman in particular what did you think of the guy who played that cop uh Merck yeah, I, I mean, it's not the most subtle role, right? This is, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a super racist cop who wants to kill this guy. And I yeah. don't think it gets a lot deeper than that. Um, and I don't think it is intended to. Um, right. I, I certainly think the actor pulled it off. Um, it mm-hmm. definitely carried that sort of intractable menace that... Uh, you really don't want to right. see in right. a police officer interaction. Totally. Yeah. Um, what yeah. did you think? I mean, you're right. This, you know, this isn't the most complex role. He certainly carried it off well. Uh, one of the things that I was interested that I thought was great uh, after I don't know the fourth montage, or we we get the montage of main character waking up and uh, getting killed again and again and again in a bunch of different ways. Uh, which was really well done. It was really smart. We don't see blood until we get to that montage, which I thought was great mm. as a way of holding back, uh, holding back on sort of almost the, the bodily horror of it. Um, because, uh, yeah, that's something that you can add in uh, rather than at the very beginning, sort of sort of using up all of your ammunition, and uh, which is probably a bad metaphor in this circumstance. Uh, Oyvind. Oyvind, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but what I thought was great was they set up the rhythm and then they broke it immediate and then they they're riffing on it and now they break it because he's having a conversation with uh with the cop you know he just decides to approach him and uh i thought that was really interesting um you know there's this whole i don't know how long the conversation is when uh he's basically explaining to the cop what's going on and the cop doesn't mm-hmm. apparently doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, the only person who knows that it's repeating, as we understand it at this point, is the main character, is Carter. Um, but then we have this long conversation uh, while the cop is uh, bringing Carter back to his house, because that's the way that that's only Carter thinks that he's figured out how to kind of, you know, break out of the loop. And uh, and that's and so they have this long conversation. And I thought it was great because we're kind of humanizing the monster. You know, mm-hmm. we're giving him texture. He's not like you just you you look at the guy with that expression in that outfit and it's like, oh, OK, he's he's a bad guy. Like casting was was well done. But then we get, you know, this nuance and this this interesting con- conversation where we start to see, oh, well, maybe he's not just a monster. Maybe maybe he has some more depth. Um, 
And, uh, you know, again, the main character is joking around while that's happening. So we, we're, we're growing to like the main character all the more. Uh, how, how did you feel when we got to the point where uh, the main character has stepped out of the cop car and now he's home? He's finally home. We know we're almost finished with the, with the film. I mean, we're going to get into some spoilers here. I absolutely haven't already, but um, yeah, they, they really had me there. Um, So there are kind of two bait and switches, right? There are Mm -hmm. two attempts that he makes to talk it out with this guy. And I think Mm -hmm. the film is doing good work sort of playing on the genre again here with, you know, Groundhog Day and Palm Springs and Russian Doll. They all sort of have the subtext of the the loop is happening because the main characters need to like learn something right. to make some interpersonal right. connection and right. then they can escape this sort of psychological loop as much as a metaphysical right. loop. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I was worried going into this once I picked up on the what this film was doing, that it was going to be a sort of uh, if if these two characters just talked they could all get along you know a sort of hitler just had a bad childhood and needed a hug sort of crap and i I felt like that was going to not that that would have come off as too easy and a bit dishonest to me if they went in that direction but Mm -hmm. they, they had me at that moment you're talking about when he got got home i'm like all right they're doing it fine fine and then the cop turns out to be a absolute sociopath who knows the loop is happening and mm-hmm. is relishing it. Mm-hmm. And that turned it on its head again. And yeah, that was a really powerful moment for me. I didn't expect it at all. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really committed. Um, and yeah, the reveal, you know, he, main character he, as he's, he's walking in and then the cop starts clapping and and that entire scene as our main character was walking towards the door i i felt such you know i was kind of on the ed- edge of my seat i was you know unsure of what the outcome would be of you know does he get to go home is this all good or not and then when it turns out not only is the cop going to kill him but the cop also knows the loop is going on and he's he's enjoying killing this uh you know totally innocent uh black guy it it was it was great i mean it was really really surprising um and yeah, I I thought that that was that was great. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just showing that I'm kind of a softy, but I was hoping for the good ending. <laughs> uh, I was hoping for like, okay, okay, yes, he's he is racist, but maybe he he's also not a sociopath. But uh, it was yeah. probably the it was certainly the stronger choice, and I'm sure um, I think a lot more representative of uh, of the emotional place that so many African Americans, black people are in which is no there are really bad people who yeah. are, who really just have it out for us it's not just that he's misunderstood it's like there are some just really terrible folks out there um and and i think that's important to note that this didn't strike me as a like a sociological or uh you know political dynamic exploration of no. the relationship no. between police and black communities this is really a psychological dive into the as i understand it experience of being black and being policed Um, yeah Uh, so the the purpose is not to say 
here's the way out here. You know, here's the way we can get right. to know each other right. and make a better right. world. Um, it's to just live in this moment. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, I think you're right. This isn't, you know, in some projects, you know, the the characters are essentially avatars of the dynamics in a culture or something like that. And sometimes mm. that can work. Uh, but often when you let go of the main character as just this guy in this situation and you he becomes a representative of something or, you know, that kind of thing, it gets like they stop being real people because you're not allowing them to be real people. And ultimately, I find those projects, they tend to be a little less satisfying when it's not, oh, I'm a kid. It's, oh, I'm a representative for every Black person everywhere. And you're a representative for how we can achieve peace and comedy between one another. Uh, you know, like that, <laughs> that, that, that can work. Like, I'm not saying that can't, but uh, for the purposes of just the drama itself, it's not as strong of a choice in my opinion. And it certainly, it worked uh, in the situation that this guy is just a monster. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I thought, like, again, a nice little, they're, they're doing everything they can to sort of fake you out was that, well, our, uh, we, we start, start with the dog at the very beginning of the pick and we see him a couple of times. And then as we're getting back, as our main character gets back home before he realizes the cop is a monster, we cut back to the dog. So it's like, Oh, they're going to be reunited. You know, man reunites with dog. It's going to be perfect, mm -hmm. but then it doesn't happen. Um, what did you think? Uh, how did you feel about that sort of concluding um, monologue where he sort of, cause he wakes up yet again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, it landed well for me in terms of they needed to cap it off with some hope, with some mm -hmm. style, and mm -hmm. they did. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they really leveraged the, the charm of this guy and the right. affection that we've built up for him. Because mm -hmm. he basically just has this moment getting out of the apartment and saying, you know, hell or high water, I'm going to get back to my dog and gives this sort of confident right. smile towards the camera. And it, I think it hit the right beats of, again, not giving us any easy answers, not saying that mm -hmm. there's a, there's a way out of this social snarl out of this trauma that mm -hmm. is low hanging fruit but saying we're going to keep trying, we're going to keep living. Um, right, right. That worked for me. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, sort of totemic in a way. You know, he's speaking about his particular circumstances in this particular story, but he's certainly, the, the screenwriter certainly knows that he's speaking to a lot of people about the general circumstance of what it's like to be Black in America. And so it... It works. It's really well written. And uh, then, as 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 we we exit out of uh, out of the story and we we get to the credits, we get back to the needle drop uh, music, which was the way it is by Bruce Hornsby and the Range. Um, and I, it was it was just the perfect the perfect musical choice because it the song itself. Uh, if you're just kind of you know. At the grocery store and you hear it on in the background it's you know it's catchy it's well known and uh it, but it's also very thematically appropriate because it's talking about 
this is the way it is, and maybe this shouldn't be how it is. And uh, that's the point where we get the scroll of all of the names of these various people uh, who have been uh, killed due to police brutality, of, of these Black Americans who have been killed due to police brutality. And it, it, for me, that was it was really powerful because it was a callback to the beginning of uh, of the story where the main character puts on his earbuds without knowing what's going to, you know, before he starts getting killed in this endless loop, he's listening to that music at the beginning because he's thinking about how excited he is to be with mm. this, uh, this new woman. And it's very hopeful. So sort of uh, bringing it back at the end, I thought was really powerful. And it, it just showed a lot of, you know, these filmmakers really know what they're doing. Like I have so much respect for uh, the, the director or screenwriter, who, uh, whoever in collaboration came up with that idea in particular, I thought it was just really, really apt. It worked beautifully for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't have too many more comments about, uh, about this other than to say it's really good. Obviously uh, I, we, we both really, really liked it. Um, it. It is, if we can turn for a moment and ask like, what, can we learn as filmmakers ourselves rather than just sort of gushing over it? Like what, what lessons can we learn about short films generally, or, uh, you know, how to make projects ourselves? Um, and I'll yeah. let you, yeah, well, if you have a thought, go ahead. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is just how deftly the film maneuvered around so many of the, the fail cases of political or message filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I, I don't know how many of these are, are easily transferable to other projects. A lot of right. it had to do with the charm of the actors or the, you know, clever writing here, clever writing there. But um, yeah, they, they never relied on easy answers. Mm -hmm. They, but yeah, uh, I, going into the concept, I think if you had told me the, premise and sort of what they were after uh, i might have bounced off of that a bit just because mm -hmm. I've, I've seen so many disappointing subpar message movies um right. but this was batting a thousand all the way through um really impressive on that level yeah yeah uh, I'll definitely echo that. I mean, it's it's just impressive. It uh, one of the things. I mean, there are a couple of things that I I was thinking about. Um, I'm not sure who all was involved in this project, but I did see that one of the executive producers was uh, Sean Combs, i.e. Puff Daddy. <laughs> um, oh. And I I don't know what level of involvement he had was, but I think when you get to the level where you're involving people like that, probably you have a decent budget. Um, <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm imagining, you know, this project, it, you know, it's an, it's, it's a new twist on an sort of an old concept and that worked really well. But like you were saying, part of the reason that it worked as well was because it had such a great script and it had such a, a charismatic lead and, and, and a great bad guy, you know, the casting mm -hmm. was really good. And I think if you'd had not great casting, 
the the charm and the charisma would have gone away and i don't know if the project would have worked as a whole if you if you hadn't been able to do all of these things even the little bit at the beginning where he's talking to his dog uh through you know the like amazon alexa bot thing uh that that's great but doing that well does require some uh, a certain amount of of funding in order for it to work so not to say that if you had half the money it wouldn't have worked but i think that you know part of the reason that this was able to do as well as it did uh was because they were able to get a really well known piece of music as their needle drop just because yeah. it fit thematically you know yeah, and and that competency went all the way through all you the know there's so many elements that we haven't discussed here but like the lighting mm-hmm. was really effective to me to mm-hmm. start off in these Mm-hmm. beautiful warm mm-hmm. tones mm-hmm. then then move on to the street where it gets mm-hmm. more complicated and gritty or the mm-hmm. way they had these really snappy clever cuts that sort mm-hmm. of weaved through the conversations and mm-hmm. yeah th- there was never a moment where i felt let down that they always were keeping yeah. me up yeah yeah exactly and that that's great so i i guess for all of you filmmakers out there uh uh, have a relationship with an extremely famous and well-off rapper, and <laughs> probably that will help when you do your message movie. Uh, but you know, even for somebody who doesn't necessarily have the connections as uh, this group eventually had, and who knows where uh, you know where the funding came from, from, and who knows where you know uh, how what the funding was actually like. I'm sure that the, they were straining against their budget the way that everybody does at every single level, and they got a lot out of it. It was beautiful. So I don't want to discount it and say, "Oh, it was just the money," because that's not yeah. the case. Funding um, or no, this is the work of a bunch of extremely yes. impressive, competent artists. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and. I I think that, you know, there, I, I had a a film professor who once told me, I believe it was a film professor who said, uh, you know, there are two kinds of films out there. There are the kinds of uh, films that I say, oh, (laughs) well, I could make something better than that and sort of use it and use watching (laughs) this as an, as an inspiration to sort of do better for your own art and for your own piece. And then there are the sort of projects where it's like, oh man, I don't know if I can do that good, but I want to, I want to strain towards that and try to achieve that. And for me, this is that sort of film. Totally. I, I I hope that I would be able to uh, be part of a project this good someday because it's just it sings on almost every level. Um, so yeah, uh, great film. Obviously, we would recommend it. It is currently streaming on Netflix. I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be there uh, for a long time or in perpetuity. So I would say go ahead and watch that. Do you have any uh, Do you have any parting shots, Talis, before we say goodbye? No, just to say again, it's Two Distant Strangers. Um, yeah, excellent film. We should come up with some sort of rating mechanism, but <laughs> four out of our four thumbs. Up. Exactly. Uh, seven out of seven banana peels. I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> so this has been a great discussion. And thank you all for listening to Cheat the Camera. Please comment and rate Cheat the Camera on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. It's the best way to help spread the word. You can get in touch with me by contacting me at cheatthecamera.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>